This is the New Song Church podcast. You're listening to a service from our church in Oklahoma City. Wherever you're at today, we hope this helps you to better know God and to practice the way of Jesus. Now here's the message. Merry Christmas, New Song Church. How are you doing, 11 o'clock? Good to see you. Glad to have you with us. And uh, to all of you who are new, uh, welcome. If you're new and you're here for the Friends and Family Service, we're so glad that you're here. Hope that you feel right at home while you're here. Uh, I know we've got a lot of stuff going on in the lobby. There's a really great photo op for you out there uh, that you should you should participate in. There's also over in the kids area, there's a gingerbread house. You can get your kids photo done over there. And then there's hot cocoa. I hope that you enjoy all that stuff. And as you're doing that, uh, if there's anything that we can do to serve you, answer questions if you're new, uh, make sure that you, you let us know. We'd love to, to get to know you and to meet you and to answer any questions you might have. Uh, and, and just so you know, if you are new to New Song Church, a little bit about us. Um, my name is Josh. I'm the pastor here at New Song Church. And uh, we believe that the church is a family. Amen? And, and as a family, uh, we're a family that's about the business of the kingdom of God in this world. And, and we believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. We believe that he was raised uh, from the grave and he was raised to new life. And through him, we can be raised into new life. And we, we believe that church is more than just something that we attend, something that we do every once in a while. But it's a, it's a family that we live into. And because Jesus gave so much for us and, and sacrificed so much for us, we believe it's our call to do the same, to, to sacrifice our life and to live unto him and to give the fullness of our life unto him. And so we're, we're a people that are about knowing God in a greater way. We want to help people know God. We want to uh, create disciples who are practicing the way of Jesus so that other people can come to know this great God that we know. And if any of that sounds interesting to you, my encouragement to you is to uh, just spend some time with us. Hang out with us for the next four weeks or so and just see what a difference the family of God and a, a bunch of believers chasing after Jesus can make in your life. Uh, next week, we have our Christmas candlelight service. We'd love to have you here with us. We're going to light some candles. We're going to take communion. And we're just going to remember and the, the, the gift of Jesus, the light of the world coming down, stooping into darkness and, and just glorify him and worship him. We'd love to have you with us. So make sure you plan on attending one of our three services next weekend. One final note, uh, Blocks, guys, is coming. The new year is coming and Blocks uh, is gonna is gonna register like if you haven't registered for that I want to encourage you to register we've actually got people from outside of our church community that are calling in that want to attend this event and we don't want you to miss out on this so if you haven't registered make sure you register and uh, just so you know like we're not gonna tell you what night Corey Russell is gonna be here just so you know like we're not gonna tell you you just got to show up every night like it may be night one I don't know I do know but I'm not gonna tell you but he's coming, and, uh, but we want you to come to all three nights because Sarah and I are preaching too, and it's going to be good, okay? So, so make sure you're planning on being with us. Get registered. Get your, uh, your uh, children registered for children's ministry. We plan on packing this place out, so just come ready, all right? If you got your Bible, go to Genesis chapter 2 and Revelation. You can, you can like put a marker in Revelation. That's right, Revelation. It's Christmas at New Song Church, people. We're going to get into some Revelation. Revelation 20. Two. The title of my message, if you're taking notes, is called Three Trees. Somebody say Three Trees. Three trees. And I know sometimes we come to Christmas services like this and our expectation can be a little low. I think, I think that it's the things that we're the most familiar with that sometimes they can kind of lose their awe, you know? Uh, but my hope is that, that God would show you something new today, that you would get a revelation of a, a new revelation, a new understanding of the work that Jesus did when he came 
and lived among us and, and died on the cross for our sins. So if you would, would you bow your heads, close your eyes, let's pray, and then let's jump into the word. Lord, we love you and we're so grateful for your goodness and your grace and your mercy and for the season that we find ourselves in. And Lord, I pray today as we, look, as we look at your word, as we dig into your word, Lord, I pray that you would just reveal yourself unto us. Unto us a child was born, a son was given. And we're grateful for that, Lord. And I pray that each and every person who is here today would walk away having received a deposit, not from a, 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 just a good talk and some good songs and hanging out with some people, but Lord, a, a deposit from heaven. And so we say, God, that we want you, we need you. And I pray that, that out of this, the kindness of God would be on display. Lord, your kindness leads to repentance, leads to change. And if there's any change that needs to take place in us, I pray that the kindness would reveal that to us so that we can turn to you and see you and, and see Christmas the way we should. We thank you for these things and we give you all the praise and the glory and the honor for what you're going to do today. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, guys, Christmas is upon us. Like it's eight days away now. It's getting real. How many of you, your kids are out of school, right? Kids get out of school, it gets real quick. Real, real quick. Kids are out of school, and so Christmas is upon us. The season is here, and I love Christmas. I really do. I love this season. I, I, I think, you know, we live in a country where we celebrate a lot of, of different holidays, and there's a lot of different traditions that we participate in, uh, but there's really nothing quite like Christmas. There really isn't. This week, um, we were out and about after the sun goes down, which is rare for the Blunt family. Like, we get home, and we're, we like home. We get comfy, and we stay home a lot of nights. Uh, but we had a few things, but my, my daughter had a cheerleading, a cheerleading and a basketball game and some different stuff that kind of caused us to be out at night. And it's this time of year, like you drive around at night and, and like the neighborhoods are lit up. Like we, we light up everything this time of year, don't we? We put some lights out and then we participate in all sorts of different traditions and, and things like, you know, we listen to different music. There's different music playing in the stores. We watch different movies. We eat different things at Christmas time. Like, I don't know about you, but I don't drink eggnog any other time of the year. But I drink eggnog this time of year because it's Christmas. Like, you just do that. I put on some solid calories with a little bit of eggnog, right? And then, and then we do this thing that, we, I don't know how often you think about this, but it, it really is unique. Like, we bring trees into our home at Christmas time. We, we bring a tree in, and we put lights on it, and we decorate it, and that's just normal this time of year. It's just normal. It's what we do. And I was thinking about it this week. You know, trees, honestly, trees are pretty fascinating. And trees, I don't know how much you, you recognize, like, how amazing trees are and how unique trees are and what trees mean to, to our world. But I did a little, little fact-finding on some trees, and I found some interesting stuff out, and I thought I would share it with you. Does that sound good to you? Okay, so let's talk about the biggest tree uh, in, in America, or in the world, really, the biggest tree. Now, that's an interesting and complicated question, because if you're talking about the biggest tree, are you talking about the tallest tree? Because the tallest tree in America is the Hyperion tree. 379 feet tall is this tree, taller than the Statue of Liberty, taller than Big Ben in London. That's a big tree, right? But that's not necessarily the biggest tree, because... Uh, if, you're, if you're measuring by like mass, which I like to measure by mass, if you're measuring by mass, that was a joke. You guys, are you with me today, church? 
Who measures by mass? Like, I don't know. That's not something I want. I don't want to measure stuff by mass, but it happens. Anyways, if you're measuring by mass, the biggest tree is, is a tree in uh, Sequoia called General Sherman. And this tree at its base is 36 feet across in diameter, 2.7 million pounds and, and 52, let me look at, make sure I get this right, 52,000 feet by volume. So it's a big tree. Big volume, big tree. And yet that is still not the biggest tree in America because technically the biggest tree in America is, is a group of trees called, uh, called the Pando Colony of Trees. Now I know what you're thinking. Trees, that, like that's, that's, not, that's not tree, that's trees. Yes, but because all of these trees actually share one root system, this is considered the biggest tree in America. It's the largest single organism on earth. Trees, right? Kind of cool. Now you think about trees, uh, uh, there's, there's certain trees we know about that are famous, like the oldest tree in the world is the Methuselah tree. 5,000 years old is this tree, 5,000 years old. That tree was around during the time that the pyramids were being built. That tree was around 3,000 years before Jesus walked on the earth. It's an old tree. Uh, we think about famous trees. There's the most photographed tree in the world. It's the Lone Cypress on the 17-mile drive leading up to Pebble Beach. Or maybe you think about resilient trees. There's, um, in Oklahoma City, we have a resilient tree. There was the Oklahoma City Survivor Tree, the tree that, the, that survived the Oklahoma City bombing that maybe you've, you've seen, maybe you visited that tree. Or there's the 9-11 Survivor Tree, this pear tree that after all of those, after those buildings came down and all of the rubble was cleaned up, there was this one lone pear tree that just kind of was standing in defiance to everything that had happened. And then we're at Christmas time, so you start to think about famous Christmas trees. I don't know about you, but when I think of famous Christmas trees, I think of the Rockefeller tree in Rockefeller Center that someday I want to go visit. I want to see this. Kevin McAllister got to see it. Why can't I? <laughs> and then I, but, but did you know this? This is interesting. Did you know that the tallest fresh cut tree in America is actually 80 miles north of us in Enid, Oklahoma, in Enid, Oklahoma, called the Christ Tree. 140 feet tall. It's more than 60 feet taller than the Rockefeller tree. Somebody say, go Oklahoma. <laughs> so trees are pretty fascinating, aren't they? And you know, beyond just like trees that are kind of cool, there's a whole thing that trees do. Like they take moisture out of the ground, they release it into the atmosphere. It's kind of like they're big humidifiers. They do the whole thing like where we breathe out carbon dioxide, they breathe it in, turn it into oxygen, which we all breathe oxygen. Are you grateful for trees, right? We even have a season of the year called fall that's dedicated to trees turning and leaves falling off these trees. And in some places in America, it's actually beautiful. Trees, right? Trees play a big part in our life. In fact, I, you know, the house that we currently live in right now, two of the big selling points for us purchasing this house were trees. There's this, uh, Sarah loves trees, and there's this tree tunnel in our neighborhood leading up to our house that she really likes. And then in the back of our, of our house in our backyard is this giant tree that looks like something out of, the Winnie the, out of a Winnie the Pooh book. That was a big selling point for Sarah. So trees, trees are a big deal. And yet all of this doesn't explain why we actually bring trees into our home at Christmas time. So why is this? Where did this tradition come from? Well, the tradition of the Christmas tree actually goes back to the Middle Ages. In Germany, uh, there was this thing that people would do every year on December 24th called uh, the Paradise Play. And it was this, this feast, the Paradise Feast, where they would remember 
What took place in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned and disobeyed God and ate of the tree of, of the knowledge of good and evil? They remember this. And, and so you'd bring uh, a tree into your home and you'd put apples all over it. And there was a play that they would put on that kind of uh, relived this moment. And the whole point of the whole thing was to remember, hey, guys, don't disobey God. Like that was the point of the whole thing. And then in the 1500s, this guy comes along. You've probably heard of him before. His name was uh, Martin Luther. He's the guy that initiated the Protestant Reformation. And he's walking home one night after, after writing his Christmas sermon. And he's walking home. And remember, this is the 1500s, like smog and some of the stuff that we have today in the atmosphere that causes us to not be able to see the stars like we do today. That didn't exist. So like stars were, were just, he, he's walking home and he can see the stars and they're just shining to the point that it almost seems like you could reach out and touch them. And the story goes, he's walking home and he's looking at the stars and then he begins to look around him and, and in these fir trees all around him, he can see, see the stars shining through the trees and actually to the point, it almost looks like the stars are hanging on the limbs of these trees. And he gets this idea, what if instead of this paradise tree thing, what if I took a tree and I brought it in our house and, and we lit it up and we decorated it. Instead of remembering the fall of man, we remember that Jesus was the light of the world and he came into this world. He stooped down into darkness and he came and he died on the cross to save us from our sins. And so he goes and he cuts the little tree and I've got a, a depiction of what that, that first Christmas looked like with the Christmas tree. Uh, as you can see there, they put, look at this, they put candles on a fir tree. <laughs> Guys, those trees are bombs. Like it's nuts. The, this is, like, this is like a major fear a lot of people have who have real trees. Like, we don't want this thing to burn our house to the ground. And yet, this is what they did. Pretty wild. And you can see, you know, there's Martin Luther. He's got some kind of an instrument there, banjo or something. And the story goes that, that they begin to sing songs, and they begin to worship God, and they just had this moment of remembering Jesus, remembering that Jesus came and he saved us from sin and from death and from the grave, that he was the light of the world and he came to make a difference. And this is where the tradition of the Christmas tree was born. Now, it's interesting, as I was, I was, I was thinking about that this week, it kind of hit me that like there was this tree that Martin Luther brings along that represents the work of Jesus that replaces the old tree that represented the fall of man. And so, you know, guys, that's exactly what Jesus did. In fact, if you, look at, if you look at the history of the world, you can sum up the world's history really in three trees. Let me show you this. In the book of Genesis, we see two of these trees. Genesis chapter 2, I told you to turn there, verse 9 says this. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground. So there's lots of different trees. Trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food, like apples came out of trees, right? And peaches come out of trees. Pie, listen guys, pie comes from trees. That's good news, isn't it? I like pie. It says, in the middle of the garden were the tree of life, this is one tree, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And in the shade of these two trees was a choice. Skip down to verse 15. It says this, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to care for it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free. Notice you're free to eat from any tree in the garden. Remember, there's more than just two trees here. So, so there's lots of choices. There's lots of freedom here. It's just don't do this one thing. Verse 17, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. So God places Adam and Eve in this place, this perfect place where they have a perfect relationship with him. Everything is perfect. And what seems to be a perfectly easy decision is in front of them. And yet we all know what happens. 
They chose to disobey God. They chose to sin, and when they did, it plunged the world into darkness. It plunged the world into death. A curse came on the world. And beyond the fact that, that now death and sin and, and darkness now existed in the world, now the problem was because they chose to eat of the wrong tree, now the option of being able to eat of the tree of life was taken away from them. They couldn't eat of that tree anymore. But the good news is the tree of life shows up again. In the last book of the Bible, Revelation, in the last chapter of that book, chapter 22, in a chapter that's titled Eden Restored, we get a glimpse into what awaits us in the days ahead, what is to come. It says this in verse 1, And he showed me, this is John talking, John is speaking about a revelation that God gives him. God gives him a glimpse into what is to come. And he showed me a pure river, a water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God, and of the lamb in the middle of its street and on either side of the river, check this out, was the tree of life. It's back, which bore 12 fruits, each yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nation. So the tree is back and we get some, some extra information here. We didn't get in Genesis. Each month, this tree bears 12 different kinds of fruit. It's like a Willy Wonka tree, right? Pretty cool. And then it says this in verse, in verse 3, because we will have access to this tree, it says this, there shall be no more curse. The curse will be gone. But the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. So let me sum this up for you. In the beginning, access to the tree of life was lost through the sin of Adam and Eve. And with it, paradise was lost and connection to God was lost. It was lost through sin. It was lost through disobedience. And, and because of that, the access to the tree of life was cut off and people began to perish. Like, a, like, like when you take a device that has to be charged off a charger and you never reconnect it to the charger, over time it's going to wither away and it's going to die, right? In the same way, me and you were disconnected from the source of life, the source of, of, of our ultimate charge that we're supposed to receive. And, and over time, we begin to die. But since we're eternal beings... It means that we were, we will, we will eternally, even though we would physically, uh, we would physically die, we would eternally remain disconnected from God eternally. This was a problem, my friends, a major problem. And part of the problem was we couldn't fix this on our own. There was nothing we could do to repair this problem. So God had a solution. Enter tree number three, the cross of Jesus Christ. Galatians 3 says this, verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, look at this, cursed is everyone, everyone who is hanged on a tree. Cursed is everyone who's hanged on a tree. Listen, you need to understand something. Because of the decision that Adam and Eve made in the garden, when they made that decision, they chose something that each and every one of us stepped into, a curse. And so when you were born into this world, you were born under this same curse. You were born hung on a tree, a tree of death. Your life was eternally connected. You were attached to the tree of sin. You were attached to the tree of disobedience. And your destiny was attached to that tree. And so the curse of death was on you eternally. And so Christ comes along. God sends Jesus along and Jesus does something. He attaches himself to another tree called the cross. So you could be detached from the first tree. 
The Bible refers to, in many places, the cross as being a tree. Let me show you one, 1 Peter 2, 24, talking about Jesus in the cross. It says, who his own self bore our sins in his own body on the tree. That we, being dead to sins. Listen, the sin issue is not just a sin issue, it's a death issue. We were dead in our sins, but he came so that we could live into unto righteousness. Jesus came, hung himself on a tree, hung himself on the cross so that we through him could receive of the work that he did and we could be born unto righteousness. And he did this through a tree. Oswald Chambers says, as the tree of Eden brought a fall, the cross becomes the tree of redemption, lifting us up from the consequences of our disobedience. Eden was lost through a tree, but redemption was found through another, through the tree of the work of the cross of Jesus Christ. We find freedom. We find redemption. So ladies and gentlemen, may I submit to you for your awe, for your wonder, for your thanksgiving, for your worship, the Christmas tree. When you look at your Christmas tree, this is what I want you to get a picture of. And I hope that you never see your Christmas tree the same way again, because it's a visible symbol that we can have in our home to remind us of the tree that Jesus willingly attached himself to so that we could be free from, this, from the law of sin and death. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says this, the tree of the cross, once an instrument of suffering, now blossoms with the flowers of forgiveness and resurrection. You and I were doomed. We were doomed. And Jesus came. We were eternally doomed and Jesus came. And he attached himself to the cross. And he did it of his own free will. Jesus himself said it in John 10, 18. No one takes my life from me, but I give my life of my own free will. Jesus chose to go to the cross. He chose to attach himself to a tree. He willingly hung there. He willingly chose to take on your sin, your shame, your curse, every bad thing you would ever do. He willingly chose to attach himself to that tree with all of that attached to him so that you could be free. So that when it's all said and done, when this life is over, when everything has been said, at the end of the day, we can be brought back into communion with God and the paradise that God intended for us to have all along. Pastor A.W. Pink says it like this, Eden's innocence was marred by disobedience, but the cross, a tree of obedience, restores humanity to God's intended communion. Come on, is there anybody today who is grateful for the cross of Jesus Christ? I hope you never see the Christmas tree the same way again without thinking of the cross, the cross that Jesus, the light of the world, came to die on so he could restore our access to God and the paradise of God. I love how Pastor Jonathan Edwards puts it. He says, the branches of the Christmas tree reach out, mirroring the outstretched arms of Christ on the cross, inviting us to come and find shelter in his love. This is Christmas, my friends. And so often at this time of year, we, we are reminded of the birth of Jesus and the birth of Jesus is beautiful. I mean, guys, God came, God came. He put on skin and he, he didn't just like appear as a man. Just show up as a man. He stooped down to the point of being born of a virgin. Like he had to be in a human womb. He had to be born. He had to, after he was born, he had to be dependent upon humans to take care of him. He had to have his diaper changed. He had to be burped and fed. Like G God did that. It's amazing. It's a beautiful story. 
And in the story, you know, you've got the virgin birth and you've got angels singing and you've got wise men bringing gifts and stars. And it's, it's, it's this beautiful story, but it's also important that you understand if the story ends right there, you're still attached to the wrong tree. But the story didn't end there. Jesus goes on. And he grows and he becomes a man and he goes to the cross. Because see, Jesus wasn't just born to live. He was born to live, to die, and then to live again so that we through him who were dead can now find life through him. And we see when you start to look at the, at the story of Jesus and the birth of Jesus, you begin to see all these images, all these pictures of the death of Jesus that would one day come. He's born wrapped in swaddling clothes. What were swaddling clothes? They were clothes that, that bodies were wrapped in when they were buried. The, the, the shepherds who come to visit him, many believe that they were the shepherds that were watching over the sheep that were the, the lambs that were to be slain for the sacrifices for sins. The, the wise men come bearing gifts. One of the gifts is myrrh. It's, it, was, it was something that was used for embalming dead bodies. Like we see in, in the birth of Jesus glimpses and symbols of the death that was to come. Why? Because Jesus came not to just live, but to live, to die, and to live again. So we through him could find life. It's so important to the story. And I hope that, that one of the things you see in this story is the life that is found in the death of Jesus Christ for you and the resurrection life that he makes available to you. It was the gift. This is the gift. The gift wasn't just that he came. It was the gift that he came and what he did at the cross that brings about our salvation, that changes the story for you and for I. So I've got three takeaways for you today, three things that I believe are gifts that we see in this Christmas story that you can take home with you today. Here's the first one. The cross wasn't a mistake, and neither am I. The cross wasn't a mistake, and neither are you. The cross, just so you know, like this wasn't a plan B option. This was something that God intended, and it was intentionally done by the Lord. And something I've noticed, I don't know if you've noticed this, but... In our home, every Christmas, we end up, by the time we get to Christmas Day, we end up having three trees in our home, three different Christmas trees. And I wish it was this way, but it's not. That the day after Thanksgiving, we would just wake up, and those three trees would just be there. But you know what? It doesn't work that way. In order for us to have those three trees, it's going to take some work, and it's going to take some effort. Now, now, show of hands, who in here is a real Christmas tree person? Real Christmas trees, you get a real Christmas tree? Okay. Who in here is a fake Christmas tree person? Okay, that seems to be the thing. A lot more fake Christmas tree people than real Christmas tree people. Now, I'll be honest with you, uh, we're a mix of the two. We have some fake trees, and we have uh, a real tree that we get every year as well. But at one point in my life, I was, I was a devout real tree person. And real tree people, so you know, we look down on you fake tree people. <laughs> we, they're, they're, the, the saying is like, fake tree, fake Christmas. Like, that's how we feel. And, and so we're, we're, cause there's, and, and listen, there's re, I get it now. I'm a little bit older now. I've grown. I'm not so judgy as I used to be, but, but like the, the people that like the real tree, they like all of the stuff that goes along with that. You want to go out and you want to get your tree, you know, go pick it out of the lot or go cut it down. And then you're going to, you're going to attach it to the roof of your, your car. I ain't having some other person do that. I'm going to do that. Right. We're going to do this and we're going to bring it home and we're going to get a fresh cut on it. We're going to get the water mixture just right. And we're going to trim up the tree because you can't just put it in your house. You got to trim it up a little bit. That thing's probably got a sleep spot in it or something. You got to fix it up a little bit. Right. And you're going to bring it into your house. You got to set it up and then you got to light that sucker. And this is a, this is a thing who, who in here, like you are the person that decorates and lights your tree in your home. If that's you, put your hand up. Now, how do you feel about the other people in your home? A lot of times when you get done, aren't you just kind of mad at everybody else? 
Like, what's wrong with, like, and, and it's like, you guys stand, appreciate this and shut up about it, all right? Because it's a, it's a thing, like getting that tree ready. Even if you got a fake tree, unless you're one of those pre-lit people that pay the extra $5,000 for the pre-lit tree, that's actually going to go out of lights in just a couple of years, but that's a whole other thing. But you got to wind, like this is, this is effort. It takes work. Like it takes, like young people, just so you know, the Christmas tree doesn't just show up in the house. Doesn't just happen. That laundry doesn't just get folded either, just so you know. There's, there's work, there's effort. And listen, the cross was not just this thing that just happened. Again, it wasn't just a plan B. In fact, the Bible tells us in Revelation 13 that Jesus is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. In other words, let me say it like this. Before there was a fall, there was a Christmas in God's heart. That before, Jesus, before God says, let there be light and the world was formed, understand this. God knew in that moment what we were going to do, sin, and what he was going to have to do to fix it, which was to send his son. And yet he chose anyway to create the world and to do all this. He chose that. What I want you to see is God was intentional. This is not a mistake. He knew. And, and, and it's important that you see this about your life. Your life is not a mistake. Like God knew. He created you and knit you together and has an intention and a purpose for your life. You're not some random person just existing. You say, well, yeah, but Josh, you don't know my life. You don't know where I come from. You don't know my, you know my personal history. And you know what? You're right. I don't. I don't know your story. I don't know your history. But you know what I do know? I know Jesus's. In Matthew chapter 1, we, we see this list of names in verses 1 through 16. It's the genealogy of Jesus. And it's so important because when Jesus showed up on the scene... He, he shows up at, for, between the fall and when he shows up are hundreds of hundreds of years. And throughout the whole Old Testament and, and, and into the New, we see all these glimpses of the Messiah who was to come. And there was over 300 prophecies all fulfilled that were all about him coming on the scene. And, and so God uses all these years to prove so that when Jesus shows up, he would tick all the boxes that, so that people could look back and say, oh yeah, this is him. There's no way they could knew uh, that, that, that things written hundreds of years about a crucifixion, which wasn't even a thing, could then come on the scene and, and, and help us to understand this really was the son of God. But beyond that, there was also in the genealogy of Jesus, there were certain things that the Messiah, certain boxes that he was going to need to tick. He was supposed to be born of a certain nation, the nation of Israel. He's supposed to be born of a certain tribe, the tribe of Judah. He was supposed to be born uh, with, with the line, from the line of Abraham and David. And, and, and Jesus, the Messiah, ticks every one of those boxes. But beyond all that, one of the things that we see in the, in the family line of Jesus, in the genealogy of Jesus, is his family was not perfect. There's some messed up people in the family of God. There's, there's murderers, there's adulterers, there's prostitutes, there's liars, all in the family of God. And this should be good news to you because here's what this tells us. These people who were less than perfect were a part of the Messiah being brought on the scene. If God can use imperfect people to bring Jesus onto the scene, maybe he can use you to bring Jesus onto the scene in this world. And beyond that, God, your, your destiny is not tied to your family line. Some of you put way too much faith in your, in your genealogy, in your family tree. But what we see in Scripture is the tree of Jesus Christ, the cross, is greater than your family tree. Somebody say amen. amen. This is good preaching for like a Christmas service, so you guys know. Good stuff. It's good stuff. Beth Moore says this, The beauty of the genealogy of Jesus lies in the fact that God can turn our most shameful chapters into a story of redemption and purpose. Pastor Tony Evans says, your family tree may have its share of broken branches. Anybody relate to that? You got some broken branches in your family? Okay. 
He says, but remember the tree of the cross where Jesus hung can redeem and restore every broken life. Romans 5.8 tells us that, that God demonstrates his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for you. That at your worst, before you ever came on the scene, Jesus, Jesus knew you, God knew you. He knew what you were gonna do. He knew the worst thing you would ever do. And yet he still chose to make you. And he still chose to send his son to come and to die on the cross for you. The cross wasn't a mistake and neither are you. Here's number two. Because Jesus faced the cross with joy, so can I. In other words, you're going to face stuff in this world. Just so you know, Jesus came and he died on the cross and he made a way so that we could be forgiven of our sins, but there still is a curse that exists on this world. You know that, right? And that curse, because we are in this world, that curse will try to get on us. It'll try to attach itself to you. It doesn't have a claim to you as a child of God, but it'll try to get on you, nevertheless. And beyond that, the, the Bible makes it clear. In fact, Jesus talked about you having an enemy. His name is Satan, the devil, and, and there are demons that are fallen angels that are a part of his crew, and he's working to see who he can devour, who he can steal, kill, and destroy. And, and so based on these things, a curse and an enemy, like you're going to face some stuff in this world, guys. You're going to face heartache. You're going to face sickness. There's going to be stuff that tries to get on you and tries to hurt you, tries to do damage to you. Jesus said this, John 16, 33, in this world, you will have trouble. As long as you are in this world, you are going to face some trouble. You're going to face some stuff from time to time. But, but I love that that verse doesn't end there, right? He says, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. He says, take heart, overcome. That word overcome is so great. It, it means there was something that took place in the past that not only affects the past, but it affects the present and it will affect your future. That's tree three, guys. That's the cross. It was a work that was done by Jesus in the past that not only affects your past, but it affects your present and will continually affect your future if you choose to receive. If you have made Jesus the Lord of your life, you are in Christ. And because Jesus overcame and overcomes, you overcame and will overcome. So we can face the things that we face in this world, the letdowns, the heartache, the brokenness, we can face that stuff and we can still have joy because we know that God is with us, that Jesus will be with you. And, and we can know that no matter what we're facing, he can turn things around. He can make all things work together for our good because Jesus faced the cross with joy, so can I. And here's number three, the final thing, because Jesus rose after the cross, so will I. You know, this world, so you know, this world is not your home, at least not as it is. This is not your home. And, and so you know too, uh, death is not the end. It's not. And, and as a believer, as a person who's made Jesus the Lord of your life, we have a very sure promise of a greater life to come. And the more hidden we are in that reality, the, more, the easier it becomes for us to deal with the things that we have to deal with in this world. Like the, the more our treasure is in heaven, the more our hope is in heaven, the more our citizenship is in heaven, the more our identity springs forth from heaven, the easier it is to handle the things on this earth and the things that would try to trigger us on this earth when things on this earth don't go exactly the way we hoped they would go. How many of you noticed that? Things don't go on in this world exactly the way you hoped they would go. And I get it that like we're in a season right now on Christmas and it's this joyful season and yet it can also be an extremely difficult and hard season. Because in this season, Christmas, I think, kind of plays like a magnifying glass. Christmas doesn't make your life bad, but Christmas can magnify the, the bad in your life. Like if you are single and lonely and you're hearing all these Christmas songs about people roasting, 
roasting nuts by a fire and stuff and you're just like, that sounds nice. Why don't I have, like it can be a lonely season, right? Or maybe like you were believing for something, you were hoping for something. This is gonna be our last year without a baby. And here we are Christmas and there's still no baby. Or you were hoping like this thing that's, that I've, I've been struggling with, this is gonna be the year that I, I overcome that thing. And now here we are Christmas and you're still struggling with that thing. Maybe there's somebody that was in your life and you loved them and you cared about them dearly and they're, and they're gone now. They're not with you anymore and now you find yourself in this season and there's, there's, a, there's an empty chair at the table. There's a lot of things that, that can come along at Christmas time and kind of magnify the, the fact that, that this life is not ideal right now. And, 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 and that's the thing about the sin and the brokenness that exists in this world. You know, the shadow of sin, the shadow of that first tree casts a big shadow in this world. There's a lot of darkness, but I love what the, what the song says. Long lay the, the world in sin and error pining. That, that maybe you find yourself there today, like you're, you're, you're laying in this darkness, in the sin and the error of your life, and it just feels like you're stuck there. But it says, and then he appeared, Jesus appeared, and our soul felt its worth. Listen, the third tree exists, and in the shadow of that tree is your salvation. In the shadow of that tree is your restoration, your freedom, your life with God. The paradise lost can be found once again. The Bible makes it clear that there's a decision to be made in the shadow of a tree. There's a decision that needs to be made that's going to affect your life and it's going to affect your eternity. It was in the shadow of a tree that Adam and Eve made a decision. They chose not to obey God. They chose not to listen to the call of God. And because of that decision, they became attached to a tree of death and every one of us inherits that same fall. But Jesus made a decision in the shadow of a tree, the cross. In the garden of Gethsemane with the, with, the, with the cross looming, the darkness of the cross looming over him, he chose not my will, but yours be done. He chose to go the route of suffering and attach himself to that tree so that you through him could be disconnected from the first tree and find life. But listen, you have to make that decision. It's not automatic. It's not something that just happens because you're born post the cross. You have to choose to make Jesus the Lord of your life. The Bible says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But notice, I want you to notice something. It's not call upon the name of the Savior will be saved. And I, I think we find ourselves living in a day and age where, where things like cultural Christianity exist. And I think we've, we've dumbed down things to the point that people think I can lift my hand in a service, pray a quick prayer, and then go about my life however I want to and have fire insurance to someday go to heaven and have paradise. That's not, that's not lordship. And, and I tell you this because I'm concerned. <laughs> I'm concerned that there's a lot of people that think they're right with God and you ain't right with God. Listen, if you don't know that God is the Lord of your life, you need to get that figured out. Lord means boss, means not my will, but yours be done. Lord means I'm not living for me, I'm living for you. That's what lordship looks like and it's the best decision you could ever make. And on the other side of that decision is your salvation. It's your freedom. It's the partnership you have with God to be able to handle all the stuff that this world would throw at you, to handle the curse of this world and walk towards the paradise that God has for you with him bringing other people into this fold. It's a beautiful option, but you have to choose it. My question for you is, have you allowed the work of Jesus on the third tree, on the cross, to save you from the consequences of the decision made at the first tree by Adam and Eve? 
Have you allowed, have you chosen to receive of the salvation, to disconnect, to detach yourself from that first tree and attach yourself to the work of Jesus on the cross? If not, today's the day. Today's the day. It's Christmas, and I can't think of a greater gift for you to receive than the gift of the salvation that Jesus came. He was born into this world. He, born, he was born, he lived, he died, he rose again, and this is what it was all about. It was about making a way so you could have fellowship with God and have the paradise of God once again. And if you've never received that, today's the day. It's time. It's wrapped. It's ready. It's time for you to receive of that package, open it up, and live it out. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord Jesus, first of all, I just thank you for the decision you made in the shadow of that tree, the cross, the decision to go through with it so that we could be saved, so that we could be redeemed. And we remember this Christmas, the great gift of salvation that we received through you. Lord, I pray that every person in here would never be able to see the Christmas tree the same way again. That when we see it, Lord, we see the work of the cross of Jesus Christ, the great work that you did to save us from the first work that was done at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Lord, I pray if there's anybody here today that doesn't know you, Lord, I pray that your kindness would draw them to repentance, that the love of God would begin to draw them to receive of this incredible gift that you've made possible for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, would you stand with me? Altar ministry team, prayer team, if you would, would you make your way down? If you're here today and you have a prayer need of any kind, we'd love to pray with you. We'd love to join our faith with your faith for whatever it is you might be believing for, for healing for wisdom, maybe you have financial needs, you're, you're, you're dealing with some just issues, there's stuff going on in your life and you need prayer, we'd love to pray with you over that. Specifically, if you're here this weekend and you don't know that you're right with God, you don't know, don't leave not knowing. Don't leave not knowing. Get it right. Maybe you say, well, Pastor Josh, I, I, I don't know. I, I lifted my hand once, I prayed a prayer, but I, I'm not really sure. Well, let's, let's, let's make sure. Maybe you would say today, well, I, I, I did that once, but I've drifted and I, I, I can't say that I'm living my life for the Lord today. Then, then let's recommit. Let's, let's make a decision to recommit, to refocus our life on Jesus Christ. We'd, we'd love to help you do that. It's a great gift that's available to you today, but you have to make that decision. Don't walk, there's a free gift under a tree, under the cross. There's a free gift. It's waiting for you. It's salvation. And if you don't receive it, you're attached to the other tree. You don't want that. Don't leave today with that burden. Get it right. Jesus loves you. He loves you. That's why he did all this. He loves you. And he's calling you home. If you sense that call on you, don't leave today without receiving that. Lord Jesus, I pray for every person in this room. And I pray for every need, the big, the small, and everything in between. I pray, Lord, that you would draw people to the altars to receive what you have for them today. And, and Lord, for those who don't know you, for those who are away from you, God, I pray that you would draw them with your kindness, draw them with your love. Draw them, Lord, to receive what you have for them. Give them faith to step out to receive the free gift of salvation that cost you so much, Lord. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. For more information on our church or for more resources to help you grow in your faith, go to newsongpeople.com or download our app by searching for New Song Church OKC in the App Store.